My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, verse 1. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Dowd. And I'm Ashley Danner. And I'm Kristen Steed. And this is Off Script, the podcast where we talk about last Sunday's sermon, the theology behind it, maybe anything that ended up on the cutting room floor. And now we're talking about Lent 2 today, second mm-hmm. Sunday in Lent. Here we go. And we're excited about that. Not of Lent. Yes. Not of Lent. Not of Lent. All in of our Lent. listeners are going to know. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you see anybody, especially someone with a reverend in front of their name, because <laughs> I, I see it all the time, say something about the su- second Sunday of Lent. That's not correct. And why is that mute, incorrect? Mute them. Because Sundays don't count as part of the season of Lent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Also, if any preacher ever says the book of Revelations, oh boy, mute them. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> we might just have to do a whole episode on what not exactly. to say. There's one revelation. <laughs> Theological faux pas. I love that. Yeah. It'll be I great. Mean, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And not like minor ones. Right. <laughs> Those are yes. important ones. We could yeah. do the majors and the minors. That's oh, good. Almost like the major like prophets theme. and the minor prophets. Strike yeah. out. Yeah, exactly. Three strikes. He's out. Yes. Um, so today um, on the episode, I'm really excited we're going to get to discuss the importance of choosing God in the midst of suffering, some of our own personal stories of lament, and how to sit well with those who are grieving. Okay, awesome. So did everyone have a good weekend last week? Yes, indeed. My mother was here. Oh, that's always for nice. For a long time. Ten days. She left this morning because we went to this conference last week, Whitney and I. Oh, yes. And so she stayed with the boys and just stuck around because Sam had a baseball tournament over the weekend. So Saturday and Sunday we were doing that. Uh, Sunday morning, actually, they came to the 11 o'clock service because he had an 8 a.m. game. You probably don't want all this detail. And then (laughs) Sunday evening I went up and did ordination interviews for Board of Ordained Ministry. Oh, boy. Yeah. How about you? How was your weekend we had a great weekend we had uh my girls lila who is fourth grade and nora who is first grade are cub scouts yeah and this weekend was what we call the blue and gold event oh, and so yeah. um they basically graduate to the next grade yeah. and so now Lila's going to be her last year in uh, cub scouts before oh. graduating so we had a really mm-hmm. great event a lot of our church members were there so and we had a cake decorating contest oh. and since i watched watched the british bake-off now oh. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It has now translated into me professionally baking. It's brilliant. <laughs> what, what we decorate? won. We made a camping themed cake. Adorable. Nice. Yes. Were there was it just cake and icing or were there other like props? There were elements. <laughs> yes. We bought a Sasquatch mm-hmm. and there was a tent. We color iced it. I don't know if the kids were supposed to help, but uh Kristen Steed won the tiger class. <laughs> she good. was very excited. It was awesome. I saw the picture. <laughs> so it was it was super great. We we did um gosh, not as doesn't sound as much fun. We have been renovating our home office. So oh. every time that me and Blake have some time on the weekend, we've been working together on a, getting rid of things that we've carried around from three different apartments that mm-hmm. we do not need. Um, if you haven't opened the box, it could probably go. <laughs> um, and then installing just some better stuff. He works from home. He's a therapist. And um, so he, we needed a nicer space. It was kind of junky. Excellent. Now it's yeah. much better. I'm assuming he doesn't see, see clients at home, though. He sees them over Zoom. Virtually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Virtual so we set pretty up cool. a pretty sweet... Uh, I'm. I decored a really cool shelf that represents all of the stuff about him behind him so that his clients can get to know him a little. It's very cool. That is very cool. Yeah. That is very cool. We're excited about it. And now we are in, we just did week two of Lent and we're continuing in our sermon series 
of small choices change everything. Yep, small choices change everything. Yes. Yep. And what did we focus on this week? Well, we went much lighter than we go. <laughs> That's the sarcasm, folks. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> no, we talked about uh, finding God in the midst of suffering, mm-hmm. choosing God in the midst of suffering. Yeah. By praying for hope, specifically. Yes, hopeful yeah. prayer. Yeah. And you gave us a beautiful example in your story with yeah. Katie and Beckett. Yeah. Tissue so, warning. Tissue warning here. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was. After the first service, I realized that I kind of dove right into it. You know, <laughs> we didn't lead up to anything. <laughs> I just got right into it. And so the second and third services, I gave them heads up that mm-hmm. uh, this is not the funny Lent meme day. This yeah. is a little bit more serious. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good because during Lent, um, I feel like you're providing us with all our emotions. Yeah. Well, Sure. This this weekend was, uh, yeah, it was, Beckett's story is a great story. <clears throat> Not, I mean, his story ended, uh, I mean, I, I guess, depending on, it, tragically, in that he died young, although we were people of faith, so we know that what comes next is good. But then, um, you know, how, how Katie particularly um, uh, grew through that, mm, right. uh, her faith grew through that. Her faith was always strong, but it, it got her through that that moment and it ended in a, on a more hopeful note. Yes. So one of my questions was why I'm sure as a pastor, you've walked alongside a lot of people um, who've endured suffering. Why did you choose Katie and Beckett's story? Um, Well, it's a very touching story for me, obviously. Um, And so if you have not listened to the sermon, uh, Katie uh, is the daughter of a member of the church. She was in college when I first got to Sherman. And uh, her, her parents were wonderful. And they came to the 11 o'clock service because I talked to Katie on Friday just to get permission to use the story because it's, it's a pretty, I mean, it's a very personal story in Sherman. Everyone knows it, but or people who were active in the church at that point knew it. Um, but I had done her wedding and uh, then, and I had said some things like I always do about kids because I know she always wanted children you know mm-hmm. and so uh, a couple years after the wedding um beckett was born and i was the, i was there the day he was born i mean it's a very circle of life thing as a pastor and then he had some some symptoms that first year uh, the day after his first birthday he was diagnosed with lee syndrome which mm-hmm. is a mitochondrial disease that's always fatal and always fatal very young and so these, you know, this young couple, early 20s, mid 20s, maybe by that point, um, were faced with the worst thing anyone, in my opinion, ever has to go through, losing a child. And a few weeks after the diagnosis of his, uh, of Lee syndrome, we baptized him. And that, woof, that baptism was uh, heavy in some ways. Um, and if you were just visiting the church for the first time that mm-hmm. day, it would have been, uh, mm-hmm. it would have been a lot. But the the people in the community knew, knew them. I mean, knew her parents, knew her and knew Beckett's story. And, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, (laughs) this is a sermon. I had to rehearse many times the story, telling the story because it's, uh, you know, and Whitney always listens to the sermons. And so, uh, she and I were both pretty emotional during, as we're remembering all the events that led up to this. So, um, that was in July that we baptized him and in the following April he died. And so I had seen, you know, I mean, there's a whole circle of life thing with, with Beckett and, and watching Katie walk through that. Um, but then, and, and that, that marriage ended in divorce. Um, she remarried 
and had a baby in this past November, and she's gonna they're gonna baptize him in German in in May, first mm-hmm. Sunday in May during the Easter season, mm-hmm. hope and resurrection. Um, and Abby is gonna do the the. I baptism. was wondering if it was Abby. And so the same children's pastor who had sang Jesus loves me at his graveside service at the end because in it was a very traditional service. We did the main ser- the the service of death and resurrection, the funeral in the church, and then we drove out. I think it was. Uh, He's buried in Wolf City or something. It was a long drive. And then the ga- the gravesite ended with um, the Jesus loves me in their closing prayer. But Abby's going to be able to baptize Leighton, the new little guy, mm-hmm. who does not have Lee syndrome. I mean, it's a, it's a very specific disease. Mm-hmm. Both parents are recessive, carry the recessive gene. It's really, it's just, it's, what do you, so what do you do when you're faced with the hardest thing? Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I saw what Katie did. Right. She, she was surrounded by faithful people. Her parents are deeply faithful, uh, just wonderful, wonderful human beings and very faithful members of the church. So she had great role models. And, you know, in our conversation on Friday, she said that that year afterwards was hard. I mean, in terms of testing her faith. Right. That God could, quote unquote, allow some, such a thing to happen. Yeah. Which, you-, you know, we probably need to unpack a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> all of her posts about him and about Leighton when he was born are all very faithful, faithful and faith filled. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it's an inspiration to me. She, she's been an inspiration to me at, since I saw her walking through that. And, um, so that, that particular, I have others like that, other stories like that. But in this case, it was a, a young person who, uh, had been raised in the church, who had been raised to be faithful, knew, really the only answer you can, in my opinion, turn to in such a circumstance. And um, I, I knew that she prayed for hope and got hope from God. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us in that situation, especially I'm a mom myself, I think I would want to hope and pray for a cure. Yeah. Um, so what does prayer look like during an incurable disease? Yeah. So uh, my mentor, Jack Sober. You know, this is um, like this is a such a common faith shaking thing for people. Absolutely. And it all depends on how you understand the way God works in the world. <laughs> so if you believe that God is a sovereign who um, who makes things happen in the world, then when bad things happen to innocents, innocent people, children and their families, you can't help but ask why God would allow quote unquote, allow that to happen. Right. But if you, if you, that's not what West, that's not what Methodists are. So we believe in free will. We believe that God's engaged in the world in a very direct way through the Holy spirit, but we don't believe that God causes things. Like we don't believe that God causes tragedies in order to test our faith. We don't believe that, um, God quote unquote, doesn't give us any more than we can handle. I mean, all the, all the bad theology that right. we, we hear in tragedy and so, you know, um, faced with the hardest thing, you you can turn to God for comfort and uh, sustaining, um, pray for hope that what comes next is good and that you, the confidence that God's going to be with you through it all. Um, but knowing that some things are incurable I mean, do, do miraculous things happen from time to time? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's a pretty rare occurrence, and it doesn't have anything to do with the faith or the quality of the person that's asking no. for it. How hard you prayed right. or... None of that. Right, right. So, 
um, anyway, I started to say Jack Soper, my, my mentor, talked about this early on, um, gosh, when I was in seminary. And he always made the distinction between praying for healing and praying for a cure. Because healing looks totally different. Healing is about, um, I mean, for, in some cases, when someone uh, goes on to the other side of resurrection, dies, and then is with God, that is the healing that is possible and is is the hopeful thing. Right. And then the healing for the person behind, left behind, um, is about being assured that all, all shall be well somehow in the end. Yeah. I think, um, Dr. Jamie Clark souls brought a lot of, she's a new Testament professor at Perkins and she challenged a lot of us in terms of disability theology. Mm -hmm. And we read a really wonderful book on healing homiletics Mm -hmm. And how there are people who, uh, my younger sister is deaf, mm-hmm. and healing may not look like a cure for her being able to hear, because mm-hmm. a lot of the healing stories by Jesus is bringing people into the community, mm-hmm. and so right. it can look very different, right. and it's also very um, damaging when we look at the cure um, and not focus on the healing. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's about... <laughs> our expectations and desires that are sometimes, I mean, as difficult as it is to say it, unreasonable. Right. So then, um, you know, what, I, what so inspires me about Katie is that she, she walked through all that with a tremendous amount of grace and strength. Um, and, you know, I, not like the, where she is today doesn't change what she lost with Beckett, mm-hmm. but it definitely... Uh, is is new life. I mean, it's literally new life, <laughs> which is kind of what Easter and our, Easter our faith is all about. Yeah, um, because we refer to ourselves as Easter people. Right. Um, and so diving into the scripture, yeah. this week we were in the Psalms. So we were in Psalm 22, yeah. which is a psalm of lament. Yeah. Do you want to talk not, more? Not just a psalm of lament. Oh. I it... mean, for, Christian, for Christians, it's the most, <laughs> it's the most recognizable. One, yes. Because it was... Jesus' last words on the cross in two of the Gospels. Yes. So would you like to unpack um, Psalms of Lament and why they are categorically so common? <laughs> yeah. Because life is hard. Yeah. And we have a lot of loss. And we, there's a lot of grief in life. And the beautiful thing, one of the beautiful things about the Psalms is that they express the full range of human emotion. And um, we're like, everyone knows. It doesn't take... You don't have to be all that old to realize that, that bad things happen in life. Mm-hmm. People you love die. People you love get sick. Uh, there are broken relationships. There's financial insecurity. I mean, there's you know, there's a long, long list of things that are difficult in life. And so Psalms of Lament help express that um, uh, sadness, that grief, that frustration, that sense of aloneness in Christ, in, in, the, in the case of Jesus on the cross, um, that happens to all of us and but the thing about psalms of lament uh is that they never end it's just it's never a full psalm just of of expressing difficulty there's always uh expressed a confidence that god is with us and like that's the faithful response to difficult things and um you know i i don't know (laughs) i i have people in my life who are not faithful and obviously those people are not immune to bad things happening. And when bad things happen to people who don't have a God to, to turn to, 
that can be a pretty um, desolate place, a, a pretty a, a pretty hopeless place. Yeah. We have an option, <laughs> and uh, it doesn't make it any easier to go through it, but it does make it. Um, actually, does it make it easier to go through it? It does. Like the loss doesn't doesn't get easier when you know that God's with you through it, but the confidence that God's walking with you through it um, gives you hope that you wouldn't otherwise have. Yes. And the new life on the other side of this. Right. Um, Ashley, you brought up a question about mm -hmm. lament and anger. Yeah. I was just thinking about getting to hear the hopeful resolution in Beckett's story. And I was just reminded of um, t stories that where there isn't hopeful resolution. Right. Um, and you and I are both huge West Wing fans. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and there is this incredible scene after the death of Mrs. Lanningham yeah. um, where... Is it it's the Two Cathedrals? Is that the name mm, of that That episode? is the name yeah. of that. But good. Yeah. 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 So... Um, so Jack preached yeah. a sermon on that when it came out. Really? Yeah. Sorry. I don't no. want to interrupt your no, question. No, no, but no. Yeah. But so I'm just wondering, lament is, of course, s lament and sadness and grief but what about that grief that then progresses into anger like i just kind of wanted you to get to speak to the full since since the psalms is full of the full range of human emotion and also full of anger mm -hmm. and calling down god in different places of <laughs> right, like what right. have you done this is the, the like the anger that we express in the presence of god is oftentimes about a misunderstanding of mm. the way god works in the world right so when mrs landingham dies mm -hmm. in West Wing. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's a good person, but good people die every day, right. all day long. Right. And so he, he, he lost someone he that he considered indispensable mm -hmm. to his own journey, mm -hmm. historically and in, in, in the present. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, expressing anger in the presence of God is one thing. And, I mean, God can handle all of our emotions. Right. That was my question. Yeah. Is, uh, you know, I grew up in a do not, that is not being a faithful Christian is never having, never blaming, never being upset with God for very long, yeah. but can he handle our, our anger? <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. But, um, I mean, Job, read the book of Job. Oh. Job's mm -hmm. mad the entire time until the very end. Yeah. Um, to me though, anger at God for things that happen in this life mm -hmm. is just a fundamental misunderstanding of, of God's role and God's relationship with us mm -hmm. it's okay mm -hmm. because we get mad at our parents for things that we are that's exactly <laughs> what i was thinking about mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes i mean let's be honest sometimes they deserve it that's <laughs> fair mm -hmm. but oftentimes it's just the frustration of life in general mm -hmm. or growing up or i mean you know boundaries that they set or whatever right um as you mature you understand more you get, yeah you don't exactly mm -hmm. so uh, i never fault anybody for being angry at god it's ultimately though um, I mean, it, it, there's a point at which it becomes unhelpful. Right. And the, the pastoral response to that is, is helping kind of shift the attention to the, to the, the feeling that needs addressed is not going to be answered by, or the circumstance that needs to be addressed is not going to be answered by anger of God because mm -hmm. God didn't cause it. Mm -hmm. What do we do with some of the complicated scripture that talks about joy and suffering mm -hmm. or yeah. a lot of the Philippians. Yeah, a I, d I had one from Philippians. 
Um, Philippians 1.29, for he, he has graciously granted you the privilege not only of believing in Christ, but of suffering for him as well. Yeah. Um, what can we do with that sort of scripture? Yeah. So, I mean, if you, if you, if you read it in context, um, he, it's not saying that God's causing the suffering. It's saying that your faith in Christ it, is resulting in suffering in their world, in their current world, which could still happen today, right? I mean, if we yeah. were um, being persecuted for our beliefs. Faith. Or... Yeah, right. Exactly. Yes. yes. Um, I think there are some scriptures that, in my opinion, just have to be reinterpreted, you know, like any kind of implication that God is intentionally doing things to test you. Like mm-hmm. we theologically, we don't, as Methodists, we don't believe that. Right. So I think it's, but there are also uh, scriptures that say you shouldn't really be in a teaching role right now. Absolutely. You're, you know, you're, I'm a woman. You're a girl. Mm. I don't know. So, <laughs> right. But we reinterpret that too. I mean, yes. We, so, yeah. um, you know, I, I think the, when you look at all 66 books and the, and the picture that's generally uh, portrayed about God, it's way more about God wanting the best for us, God calling us into a relationship with God and a healthy relationship with each other, and then God being with us through it all. That's the way I read it. But I I think it is, it's more, <laughs> I, that Good Friday thing is 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 really mm-hmm. deep and and very real. Like he, he, we believe that he is God, right? So he is asking why God is forsaking him. And that raises all kinds of questions until we remember that it's a lament (laughs) and he was raised Jewish and he's a Jewish teacher. And so in his darkest moment, what else is he going to do but lament? Yes. Mm -hmm. And if he was to pray it all the way through, if he lived long enough to pray it all through, it would have gotten to the the confidence that it was going to be okay. Right. Which it was on the third day. To the turn, which shows up in the lament. Right. Yes. But God, but the son of God saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me is incredibly powerful Mm -hmm. because it connects with us. And, and I mean, in my opinion, gives us, gives us permission to be, to lament when, when terrible things are happening. Right. Yeah. How do we, um, whether it's ourselves or someone we know when we're stuck in the lament, how can we get to the hope? So this is something that Whit and I talked about when I ran the sermon by her. Like when I talked about that bit about the turn, uh, there's no implied judgment in being in lament. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not like hurry through it and get to the turn. It's not like you have two days of lamenting and then you must be rejoicing. It's not like that. And so um, it's different for different people and different because of different circumstances. Um, But through it all, whether we're, I mean, to to connect with Christ's humanity, whether we're on the cross crying out or we're six months in and can't can't get past it mm-hmm. and need to go see a mental health mm-hmm. professional mm-hmm. or um, go to a spiritual director or whatever. It's OK. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God's with us through it all, through the through the hurt all the way through to, to hope. Mm-hmm. But the hope itself lies in the fact that God's with us through it all and the church. And our friends and our family, for sure. But ultimately, um, and this I, I think I may have said this in the benediction. Ultimately, 
um, no matter how much assistance you're getting from the outside, there is still within you this sense of lamentation. Mm -hmm. And the only way through it, in my opinion, is with you and God getting through it. Doesn't matter how many casseroles people bring you, (laughs) how many people offer you well-intended but terrible theology, um, how many uh, books you're recommended by your therapist who has a great experience and knows how to get through it. No matter any of that outside stuff, it's ultimately about you and God. And that's where, that's where Jesus crying out from the cross is so powerful. He knows too, that the only thing that's going to get him through it is his relationship with God. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's deeply, deeply powerful. I've never preached on Psalm 22. Oh, really? I mean, I've taught a lot of Bible studies on it, Yeah, but you know, on Good Friday, we don't preach. Right. I don't preach. Some people do. I don't because we have this musical presentation, like the readings and the music. Because the story itself is, in a really important sense, enough, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to explain it. Mm-hmm. So you typically, like if Psalm 22 is, it's the lectionary text on Good Friday, so that's, so it's not the lectionary text elsewhere. Right. And it's not one you would go to and say, oh, <laughs> it's a Sunday in July. Let me preach on this one. <laughs> um, what about when you're walking on alongside a loved one? How can you engage with them in their suffering well that you know that that depends (laughs) yeah i guess um what i'm also trying to get at is just um how we can be there to listen instead of offer Uh yeah advice you just said it right (laughs) yes yes so there's it just depends so obviously uh if you're a pastor and you're asked to pray then you work some of that into prayer right um, if people are asking you, I don't know what to do. What should I do? Mm-hmm. Then you can recommend some prayers. You can recommend some, a, a good therapist. You can really lean into come to church. I know this is terrible and this feels like it's never going to get better, but come to church. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm talking about worship, but I'm also talking about mm-hmm. like Bible studies. Like yeah. Surround yourself, the community. Yeah. Surround yourself right. with the community, community right. that can be there with you. Mm-hmm. But, but presence is the biggest thing right. <laughs> because that's like if, if we're, we're an incarnational theology. So we believe that, that God, like Jesus became, God became one of us in Jesus. And so, um, just being there is, mm-hmm. is means more than anyone knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can be almost comfort enough. Yeah. yeah Blake just calls it holding space. Yeah. That even if someone is like, cause that's another thing is sometimes a lot of people don't want to talk. They, they're talked out. They have turned it over and over and over again, and they need somebody to sit there with them to just be like, it's okay to just Mm -hmm. sit here, and Uh, I'm not going to leave, and we're going to just be here. Mm -hmm. I think about the book of Job, because Job's friends do (laughs) not provide a lot of great (laughs) comfort, as they are very accusatory that he has obviously caused this, which behind the scenes we know is not the case. Mm -hmm. But there is a small portion where they do sit with him. Um, And that's always the piece that I find positive, is his friends sit and let him lament, Mm -hmm. um, instead of trying to rush him through. His wife less so. Um, yeah, I mean, we can just scratch her out. <laughs> that's not a supportive cast was, was in uh, Job's was, life. Yeah, um, no one was sad to see her go. <laughs> but there, there is that comfort in sitting. And I think that's, as I've been going through this process, I, um, 
which become ordained in the future, it has been scary going, well, what am I supposed to say to people? Mm-hmm. But I have found that the presence um, and trusting on the Holy Spirit to be the extension of the hands and feet mm-hmm. has allowed me to be uh, more comfortable mm-hmm. in the sitting. Mm-hmm. In the sitting. Yeah. I don't know. I think I, like on this past week, so I've been thinking about Becca's story and um, there is, as a pastor, there's a fair amount of the world's suffering and difficulty that you get to see. And it, <laughs> it actually makes, so they, because we all go through that, it actually makes me more um, like kind of patient with the difficulty of the world. Mm-hmm. So you're all the way over here on the, I'm talking about politics right now. Right. You're over here on the left. You're over here on the right. And y'all just, you think you can't live with one another, but one of these days, mm-hmm. someone close to you is going to die. And when that happens, the only thing that matters is God and each other. So what, what can we not figure this out? You know, mm-hmm. their gr- grief is a, gr- is the great unifier mm-hmm. grief, death. Yeah. Life. Great unifier. Yeah, there's no boundaries between suffering, whether classes mm-hmm. or countries mm-hmm. or... Well, it's like when we remember what it was like after 9-11 mm-hmm. and how that changed the chemistry of our communities and people were more kind and more loving and, you know, like reached out to one another in a yeah. way they might not have before. And yeah. you know. and it is interesting because I think in that humility of knowing someone's suffering can bring you closer to someone as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Knowing their story, knowing their humanity, yeah. knowing where they've come from can open you up in Absolutely. beautiful ways. And are there any stories that y'all would be willing to share about your own suffering and walk with God? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, probably, uh, I mean, so Whitney's father's death was really hard because it was right after he uh, retired from teaching. And Sam was uh, turning one right when he died. And uh, Max, had, let's see, Max was born in 06 and he died in 11. So he wasn't even but five years old yet. Um, and it was rough because we had all these big plans after he died. And, you know, we, we still travel every, every year with her family. And it's just, every time we bring him up, it's hard. It's been 12 years now. Uh, gosh, this year would be 14 years or 13 years rather. Um, and so that was a, you know, a guy who had, he had, uh, worked really hard his whole life. He had just saved a ton of money so he could do all kinds of fun stuff with his kids and grandkids and, it just didn't work out that way. And so I would say that summer, um, Whitney spent, uh, we were in Henrietta at the time, and uh, Whit and the boys spent most of their time in Ann Arbor, and I spent I was most of my time in, in Henrietta. And so, you know, I thought about that a fair amount. Um, so everyone everyone's life has something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, the question is, what do you what do you do with it? How do you respond to it? And I guess, um, where was I? I was somewhere. We had ordination interviews this week. Maybe somebody asked me about um, this question. Like, how, what do you do when things are really hard? Like, do you do you lose your faith or whatever? And, I, I mean, I'm grateful that I've not experienced that. Right. But um, I'm also grateful that because I've not experienced that, 
there's always an ultimate end to the story. <laughs> Whatever is the worst part of the story is never the last part of the story for Christians. And so, um, you know, I when people come and they're and they're just they're feeling hopeless and their their faith is not like deeply felt, then like to me, like our point is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. That's our mission. And um, part of that transformation is internally yeah. where we can, where we know when really bad things happen that it all is going to be okay one way or the other. Yeah. Um, I have a personal one where I endured suffering, but I felt God's presence. And that was when I was actually pregnant with Nora, my youngest And I had, I'd always kind of struggled with anxiety, but it's like being pregnant and the hormones Mm. had just, I felt like I was in a living hell for a Mm. while. Mm. And it, I went to see a therapist. I went to my doctor. I was doing all of my tricks, but I just, the suffering was so painful, Mm. especially during a time when I was like supposed to be enjoying the last like six months with my oldest. She was only two. And I was just so upset and mad. And my therapist recommended meditation. Mm -hmm. And it was my only way to feel any sort of relief. So I meditated five to six times a day. Mm -hmm. And I I did a 30 days of meditation app in five because that's also how Kristen Steed is. (laughs) I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it well. And it wasn't working. I'm using that in air quotes. Mm -hmm. And I was still feeling like this 800-pound elephant had just trapped me. And I just remember lamenting in one of my meditations, when God, when am I going to feel relief? And luckily I heard, be patient, my child. Mm. And the anxiety didn't go away right away, but it was the first time I had felt hope. Mm -hmm. I knew God was with me. Mm. And not only did I know it, I believed it. Mm. And it did, it did get better. And so that, did I want to go through that suffering? Of course not. But I also will say on the other side of it is my faith grew and I feel stronger experiencing God's love and presence with me in a hard time. So yeah, that's my story. That's a good one. Thanks. Thanks y'all for sharing those. Yeah. One last question I had for you, Chris, and you, Kristen, as you begin your kind of ministry as well is these stories are heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, they're hopeful and there's lots of onion like layers to them, but they're heavy. And I am always surprised in working with y'all when I hear about the things that kind of pass me by, but like the, the constant, uh, line of people that mm-hmm. you're supporting with these equally heavy laments, how do y'all and how do we, as people who want to be there for our community, walk with people, but then like deal with that constant layer of adding on, adding on of these stories through your ministry and through your life. So for me, it's, it's prayer. You know, I've got my, I've had my same morning routine now for, I don't know, 25 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's, there's some meditation involved, sometimes longer, sometimes slower, uh, sometimes quicker. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's a minute, sometimes it's 10 um, scripture reading, that kind of thing. But, um, like whenever I'm going to visit somebody who's with somebody who's died or it's going to be a deathbed visit or whatever, 
Um, I always pray before I go in. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there's like, y you have to have some kind of mental uh, distance. Um, so you're thinking more, I'm, I'm talking about pastoral stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're thinking more kind of big picture. And, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Even though like you've, You've been married to this person for 52 <laughs> years. They're your whole life. Mm -hmm. And this is the worst moment that y'all have had together. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. He's okay. You'll be back together again. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are all the things I believe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the tears do come. <laughs> mm -hmm. Preferably later. <laughs> right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, in that moment, you need to be the, the calm, uh, confident one. Mm -hmm. But... You know, it's also filled with plenty of gratitude. Mm -hmm. Like I leave a, uh, a couple that have been together forever and she's got a, a unique issue that's probably going to be towards the end. And like, I just think, gosh, I'm really grateful that I get to go home and see Whitney. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Blake feels similarly after long days with mm -hmm. clients that he, he's like, oh my gosh, I'm glad I get to go home. <laughs> right. But, um, that prayer is, is so important and just like connecting to your through line. I feel like, what about you? Yeah, I would say, I would say I'm still at the beginning of this journey, but mm -hmm. what I'm definitely finding, and I spoke on a little bit earlier was just, um, really the prayer and then relying upon the Holy spirit mm -hmm. that knowing that this isn't about what I'm doing, um, and that I'm an extension of something else mm. and then being able to try to separate that. And so then I will have those emotions later because I am an emotional person. <laughs> um, but just trying to remember it's not about me, yeah. um, when I'm in those situations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank y'all for being there for our people like that too. <laughs> Appreciate you yeah. guys. Well, it's, uh, it's a gift to be able to be in community because mm -hmm. we're, whether or not you got a reverend in front of your name, we all, we all have this all the time mm -hmm. with people who have lost something or um, are going through any of those things that cause lamentation in our lives. All of us do that. And so my own personal opinion is if you're close to God through prayer, then the Holy Spirit, I mean, that's the, that's how the Holy Spirit most often works in the world is through each other. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So coming up yeah. next week, we're talking, I'm talking about, I don't, I'm not sure I've ever preached on this one too. It's the, I, it's the, the Jesus at Cana. Mm. Oh, yeah. Gonna I be. mean, that's my favorite gospel, John too, John. Mm -hmm. Right. And so this, it's a great one. It's talking about choosing faith. Yes. So that'll be awesome. Yes. That'll be fun. That'll be, be fun. Um, and this weekend we've got what? We've got the game night, mm -hmm. Friday night. We do. Friday night. So bring your competition. Mm -hmm. We're going to bring Bananagrams oh, and nice. uh, Clue. So those are the favorites in the Steve's households. Nice, nice. Yeah, bring a game. Either bring some food to eat with your family or eat before and just come play some games with different people in our community. Absolutely. And then if you've not yet done Lenten Daily Devotionals, cumc.com slash subscribe. Yeah, absolutely. Mike's week. Yes. Or Mike's week. Yes, exactly. He's a, he does a nice job. Yep. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning in. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Off Script. All God right. bless. Bye, y'all.